Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California, but I'm living here in beautiful Wuhan, China. And today I am joined by Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Shu. I am talking to you from Beijing, China, and I am from China. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Today's topic is dating and marriage. I want to lean more towards dating because I kind of just did a show with Bebe about marriage, but there's so much to cover in dating. So I thought we could uh, start there. I I haven't been in the dating scene technically for 10 years, (laughs) but like, you know, I had a lot of experience during my time dating. So Mm -hmm. I'm ready to give out a master class. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Well, okay. I I was actually really bad at dating for a very long time. I would date, you know, like one person and then like try to like date them and then maybe date them and then not succeed or succeed and the relationship would succeed or not. And then I met this lady who I did not date mm-hmm. named Katrina. And she told me, Jason, you're dating all wrong. She said the key is to date a lot of people. That way you can find the person that matches you more easily. And that my problem was that I was just seeing one person for a long period of time at a time until it didn't work out. And I should have just instead just go in lots of first dates and then like be choosy. And so that worked out really well. And I ended up finding someone who with whom I'm very compatible. Is, was was that how you met Summer? <laughs> oh, you met your wife? Well, yeah, yeah, yes. But, you know, it's about finding every avenue to date. That's what I did. And I met people through friends and I would randomly ask girls out like, you know, just on my college campus. I just like, you know, however I could meet ladies, that's what I did. And, <laughs> I, you know, I was I was dating a lot. It was actually kind of an expensive project. But, you know, I ended up finding the perfect woman for me, partner. It really sounds like you've, you've taken on dating back then as sort of a business project. You're <laughs> diversifying your risks and making sure that you have really versatile investment interests and you're trying out every <laughs> avenue. And then you can do the compare and the, the contrast and <laughs> pick your best bit. You're like at least 10 <laughs> years younger than me, I think. So I'm wondering, you know, what was the dating like... Uh, what is dating like or was it like recently recently i'm just with my boyfriend and we're giving out we're giving out a mm-hmm. lot of you know relationship advices and you know advice and suggestions and we're trying to tell people how to love themselves first mm-hmm. um, yeah that's what that's when you can love somebody else a lot of people told me that too as a teenager and it took me a long time to get that so for those of our listeners listening who just like what what does that mean you know i want to like lay that out that means like taking care of yourself that means developing yourself as an interesting person and have cool hobbies, do cool things, you know, get physical exercise, like read books, you know, go and take up interesting (laughs) hobbies, like be a person that you would, when you found, you would be like, oh, that person's a cool person. So that's what it means. Love. I know, but the the more, the more you were listing the examples of being yourself, the more I wanted it. Cause I haven't, I haven't finished reading any book lately. I felt so, I felt so bad. (laughs) That's not, I didn't mean book. I just meant a hobby. It doesn't have to be reading books. You could be like a master of cinema. Like, oh, I've watched all these movies from the 1980s. I just mean, find your thing and do it. You Absolutely. Know? And I felt like a lot of 
at least for me, I was, I was lost in that a little bit. I don't know how you felt when you were, you know, doing your, um, um, I hate to call it exercise, but, you know, kind of like trying to find the best person and you're kind of giving everybody a chance. For me, I was, I was, um, cause I don't know if this is interesting to you, Jason, but the way I look at uh, dating and how, um, I position myself in a relationship changed a lot mm. between my life here and my life in the States. And then, you know, even after I came back from the, from the States, there were a lot of changes. And I was, I was someone who was very, um, I had a mm. very low self-esteem many years ago. Um, I still have those kind of insecure spots, but now they're very well protected and very well <laughs> hidden. Um, but it, it really, for me, I tried different things as well. But in the, when I first went to the States, this is funny. I was not reading the social social cues and uh I didn't know the code languages. Mm, and mm. so, you know, when when my friend was like, Hey Alex, do you want to go get pizza? I was like, Yeah, sure, I'll go get pizza. I was like <laughs> So what? I'm just getting pizza with the with a friend and it happened to be a guy and you know, there are things like that. Well, you know, it could just be pizza. Pizza sometimes pizza is pizza. I'm just saying. Maybe there was maybe a, let's go get pizza, Alex. Or maybe it's like, hey Alex, let's get some pizza. You know, like this maybe tone <laughs> too. You just have to you just have to experience it yourself yeah it's the way that the look is that is there are they just looking at you like what's up are they looking at you like what's up (laughs) (laughs) i honestly i failed to read all of those as well all i heard was pizza and i was like yes (laughs) you know um i think there are probably really big differences between chinese and american culture and you know we were talking about those recently where we were and, and this is something i think doesn't happen as much anymore but used to happen where grandma in china will take a little like piece of paper with maybe a picture on you Maybe not. And she'll write down some characteristics about you, like your age and education level and kind of what you're looking for. Personality. Yeah. yeah. And then like <laughs> go to a park and like either post it on like a fence or like talk with the other, you know, grandmas and grandpas. Hey, this is my granddaughter. She's she needs, a, you know, a partner. Uh, what do you got? You know, let's see what let's see your hand. What are you holding in your cards? <laughs> These are my cards. <laughs> you have to really trust your because I've seen more and more young people become sort of okay with it. You know, those it's I feel like it's one of those situations where in the beginning you're like, this is so different from how or what I want in a relationship, but that gap starts to grow bigger and bigger. And at some point it just starts to reverse. So like more young more young people start to be okay with it and they actually entertain <laughs> and humor that idea. Mm, and they mm. would go with their grandparents to the park be like, I want to spend time with my family. If this is what mm. I have to do, I'll do it. Well, you know, maybe it ends up working out, you know, if it's arranged and like, I don't know. Like, you know, in the States, it's like this, you know, primarily people meet online now. I read the statistics and increasingly people are going to like, what is it? I can't remember. Tinder. There's okay. There's okay, Cupid. Thank you. There's Tinder, <laughs> which I, I barely know. And I've never used. It was I don't before. Really it was after your time. So yeah, okay. Well, during my time, there was another one. I forget. There was a big brand. It's like OK Cupid. I can't remember. Uh, match.com. No. Math. There's Match.com, but there's another one too, and they like they match each other. So like people meet using apps. People use websites. People like they also date their coworkers a little bit, even though you're not supposed to. It's kind of like a secret thing. And I think coworker dating is a huge thing in China. I've seen a lot of people I know. It's like how'd you meet them at work? And so that seems to be a huge thing here. We're a very hardworking group of people. <laughs> Most of our time is spent at work. So if you date someone at work, it's convenient. Although it's stated that it's not encouraged in my company. Mm, mm, but mm. 
the company I work for has a lot of employees and we kind of do spend a lot of time at work as well. And I'm just kind of looking at these young people and thinking it would be really hard to stop them from, you know, <laughs> start to grow fond of each other. You just have to let the company know and then you're okay, but it's still not encouraged. So I'm not well, sure. Well, you know, I used to work for a very large company. I'm not going to say the name of, uh, like you didn't as well. And uh, <laughs> a lot of people were dating each other. Yeah, it was a huge hookup site for a lot of people. But <laughs> HR would say, you need to tell us. Yeah. Sometimes HR was not informed until it was like we got engaged, you know. I mean, what, what if what if we just we just met like yesterday and then today we're like we think we're the best compatible most, you know, loving match and we decide to engage today and it happens to be the same day that we're going to mm, tell mm. HR. Yeah, well, you know, the thing about the the company I formerly worked at is they gave off time for weddings. So people would be like, "Oh, yeah, we got our red books." So we're taking some time off. <laughs> oh, the license. Yeah. The Well, you know, a lot of people do that. They get the red, the red books, which means they're married. Yeah. And then they don't have a ceremony for a long time. A lot of my friends are actually in that exact situation. Mm, mm. I actually not too sure about which carries more legal, uh, uh, confirmation, if you will, in the States, whether mm, the mm. piece of paper you get from City Hall or having a, a priest kind of officiate your wedding or someone to officiate your wedding. In China, it's a little, little red book. You go to uh, the government office and you take a photo that they're going <laughs> to make sure they they Photoshop you to someone who looks really good. And then, and then you get the two little red books and you each hold one and, uh, you are legally protected as a married couple. And then a lot of young people kind of try to push off the big, uh, wedding fees that they have to do where they have to perform a whole day of duty and responsibilities, the newlyweds. My, I just talked to a friend who's still, they haven't got their uh, wedding feast yet. They haven't done their wedding ceremony yet, but they've had the, Little red book for mm, not mm, the little mm. red book. Sorry, the red the red books for for <laughs> over two years. Well, for our listeners in America, they may not would know what you're talking about. So the little red book is the <laughs> this is the English title of a book by uh, I guess it's quotations by Mao Zedong, Chairman Mao, Chairman yeah. Mao, and and the the red book you get a different very thin red book that is your marriage. I have this book because my wife and I got the books seven plus years ago. I wanted to talk about America a little bit. I watched this TV show when I was a kid, and apparently, and this turns out to be true, in some states in the America, if a man and a woman cohabitate long enough, they're married. Uh, or if they if they check into a hotel together as man and wife, they become legally married in that state. And in fact, here's another story. And this, I think this a lot of people know this. Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves did a ceremony in some way in some state, and technically they might actually legally be married right now what? because of like a movie that they did, like I don't know, ten or fifteen years ago. Yeah, That's, yeah. Uh, I am so. It's so. <laughs> so the first part that you mentioned, um, if you cohabitate together long enough, yeah, that would carry as evidence in court in China as well. If you, you know, they want to prove you guilty for having. Um, double marriage Ooh. yeah so because that would 
that would count as having a marriage outside of your marriage. The other two, <laughs> so like if you, if I go to a hotel with a guy and then I say, oh, we're husband and wife, we're going to check in together, even as a joke, uh, if we're just trying to pull a prank, that would, that would make, basically make us married in certain states. In the states, that's what you're saying? Yes, yes. Uh, if you go to a hotel and check in as man and wife in certain states, then you will become legally married. And you don't need to show any, any certificate, any license or anything. No, no. The license becomes your check-in. That check-in becomes a legal document. Wow. <laughs> that's, 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 uh, cheap and convenient, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> We're having a staycation and getting married. Just, you know, what you said earlier about the second marriage, I always found that really surprising. I'm always, you know, clickbait easily when I hear about someone who has like two families. Yeah. It reminds me of a joke by a famous comedian. He, he said, I would never do anything to embarrass my family or my other family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds familiar, actually. I think I've heard it. So yeah, I don't want to just talk about marriage. I was hoping we could really just talk about dating. We talk about some ways that Chinese yes. people meet. Would you say that like in the business place is the is one of the big ways? Like how do like traditionally or movies cast or like what is the the cultural like uh, I don't know stereotype about how people meet and like end up together? So I think for as long as I've been alive and for my limited knowledge of the long dating history of China, which you know apparently has has been here for five thousand years. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I just mean like in the last 30 years. I know. Years. So in the, in the last 30 years, um, there are, by the look of it, it has changed a lot, but there's one thing that has stayed. And that's what you mentioned earlier is the kind of the parents or the family's mm -hmm. involvement in picking the person, be it, you know, going to the park to the little corner or setting up blind dates, which is actually still very popular for uh, young people nowadays. My friend, my college roommate met her husband that way. It was, a, it was a, a blind date that was set up by her family. Oh, actually we're really compatible and they have a baby now and they're very happy. Um, mm, mm, and mm. going back a little bit, I think that's, you know, meeting people that your family or parents arrange for you, that they pick for you was the main way of, uh, people meeting each other. And by going back, I'm talking about maybe 15, 20 years ago. Um, and before that, mm -hmm. now young people, I think people my generation, the, I don't know about the, you know, kids that are born, the generation zeros, we call it Ling Ling Ho, like after kids are born after 20, mm -hmm. 2000. But for people my generation, a lot of us actually meet through friends. Mm -hmm. So friends really, we kind of have this Emma complex, I call it, like if we have single friends around us and we're just like they would be a very good match and we're just like let's set them up and the way and the place we set it up is usually ktv <laughs> mm, it's mm. it's a very it's a very what could go wrong there's alcohol present <laughs> which is something that i only started doing after uh i i became older when i was going to ktv as a college student we never really drank we were just, it's, it's food and singing and maybe mm, some beverages, mm, mm. but it's a very embarrassment free place. Mm. And then you're always going with a group of friends and, you know, they're going to ask 
one of you to sing a song and the other person has an opportunity to kind of just gauge who this person is and whether I'm being mesmerized by his or her singing. <laughs> and if you and if you aren't, there's a it's a room that's kind of dark, it's loud all night. You don't have to, you know, sit in a kind of awkward silence with each other. So if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then you have another person for your group when you hang out next time. One more person to split the bill. Mm. My women's situation. I remember, actually, I have two stories suddenly. I remember when I was a kid, though, my mom always encouraged me that, like, oh, if you've been dating for six months and, like, you're not sure you want to marry this person, you're probably wasting your time. My mom was full of advice. Another piece of... Oh, wow. Another, That's very... Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> another piece of advice she gave me was... uh Actually, this is not a piece of, I, I take this back. This is a piece of advice my grandmother, my mom's mom, gave to my mom, which my mom ignored. And it was, uh, you can fall in love with a rich man as easily as you can fall in love with a poor man. <laughs> so going back to the first, oh, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> That's very philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's true, though. You know, everyone, fall, fall, we all fall in love eventually. You know, not all. A lot of people fall in love eventually, and they think their partner is the partner. But like, there's a billions of people. People that think that, you know, so like, why not just do that with someone who's really rich? But anyways, <laughs> I mean, it makes sense if you think about it from grandma's perspective, right? And it's it's even more interesting. You said that your mom didn't follow your grandma's advice. So no. like- my, my dad was my dad did well, actually, we started out, you know, like any family, and then he increasingly was more and more successful. So it worked out in the long run where we, we had eventually were, were doing quite well. Yeah, I always feel like that's the best story. That's the best kind of yeah and you know it's a, it's a very common story like uh there's a movie with uh nicole kidman and uh what's the short guy that's really handsome tom, tom cruise tom cruise <laughs> yeah and, and sorry and tom they, <laughs> well he's yeah he's a good looking guy so we're saying he's good looking <laughs> on the air so i'm sure there's nothing wrong with that and he song. knows Anyways, he knows the former part there was a movie about i think it's called the firm where like uh oh he wasn't it wasn't nicole kidman it was some other lady i'm sorry but it was in the firm and in the firm they talk about He's he's a super successful lawyer now in the movie. And they talk about, oh, when we were in college, we used to get pizza because that's all we could afford and stuff. And, you know, like, I think there's a, uh. a romance to, like, a couple starting out and they don't have much. And then later, because they both work hard together, they end up being a very successful couple. And th- that's charming. It's a charming story. I mean... That's that's kind of how my parents started as well. And, and and like I said, I personally think like if you both grow in a relationship together, you have a stronger bond between each other. I'm not saying again, I'm not saying grandma's wrong or our our mom was wrong. <laughs> you know, just uh, uh pick your pick your poison. <laughs> yeah. to talk about first dates you know like in my generation i don't think this is true anymore in my generation it was don't even kiss like your purse the person until the third date like the third date is when you should like show some sort of physical affection obviously that changed very quickly and i think the younger generations they would be like what are you talking about but like back in my day it was like get to know them who is this person you know i think you should still do that i've heard that advice and you know i think that's still very necessary especially given Mm -hmm. all of the ways you could meet people and it it has it has seemingly Mm. simplified the process but you really don't 
get to know them that well when you think you do because you read their online bio you, you look at their pictures and you're like and you have some online conversations you're like i have an idea of who this person is but it really is what you have only you know pictured in your head with the information that that was manipulated through internet and so when you meet them like i would still i would still be like oh try to get to know them first mm. and the more i talk right now the more i feel like i sound like a grandma <laughs> <laughs> well i feel that way i mean but you know right I'm, I don't want to be throwing a stereotype out, out there, but it does seem that Chinese dating culture is a little bit more conservative than American it is. dating culture. It, okay. It is. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I don't think it's a, you know, it's different and the whole romantic culture is different in two countries, but I'm just like, kind of works better for me. Like just try to get to know this person, have like a really extensive conversation that goes on for, I don't know, five <laughs> hours or something and then decide what you want to do with this person. And, and, there's one thing that um, I know we're going to talk about that today, and and I kind of want to mm, touch mm, on it mm. right now. The the courtship. I I felt like when I was I don't know if if I was uh, mistaken, but I felt like when we talk about this action courtship, I only saw it in movies. I didn't really see it in the U.S. Maybe I just didn't meet the right people. What? what can you give me a, examples of what you're talking about? So, like you said, the the whole dating culture is a little conservative in China. Um, usually would like to make sure, even if I do feel attracted to this person, I would need to make sure that this person is kind of giving me enough signals, not just hints. Like mm, mm, this mm. person would basically be like, um, hey, are you showing me care and trying to take me out, but not take me out on a date like hey i want to take you to this place like i genuinely want to impress you and when i'm very 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 sure that this is what this person wants to do then i'll be like i'll start giving i'll start giving feedbacks and uh mm, that's when mm. you're like oh you like to be my girlfriend and then you can then you can go on dates and then you can kiss You mentioned like courting, so giving signals. So the gentleman who brought asked you to pizza that in your example, like for him, maybe it was a first date. And for you, it's just like we're having pizza. <laughs> so like that. That's yeah. what I was talking about. I didn't know what the signals were. I didn't know what the social codes were around that. Mm. I didn't know. Well, I mean, I, there's two ideas of that in America, and it can be very confusing for both partners in a mm -hmm. relationship that's developing. I like the idea of when I was dating, I liked the idea of courting like intensely, you know, like giving flowers and stuff like that. But also if the other person hasn't also given signals, it could be like weird and creepery. creepery. <laughs> it could be like, who is this guy giving me flowers? So, you know, there has to be a degree where both people are giving signals. Otherwise, the person who is going to be, I guess, the more aggressive pursuer doesn't know if it's appropriate or when it's appropriate to then like shower poems or like whatever onto that other person, because it's cliche. So I'm just going to say a guy, if a guy starts like throwing flowers and poems at a girl and she hasn't given the signal, stop. <laughs> yeah. It can be very easy for that girl to suddenly just be like, I know totally not interested in you and you're creeping me out. Why are you keep sending me flowers? Stop. That could affect the person who is pursuing, you know, this isn't the 17th century where a guy just like follows a girl around and Oh my gosh, I'm <laughs> so in love with her, but she's resistant. <laughs> You can't do that.
I've read like modern horror stories around it, and and people are like, "Oh, but there's nothing wrong." I'm like, "Yes, there's everything wrong with it. Don't do that to whether you're a girl or a guy, whoever you're courting. Just you know, do your best, and if there's no response, just、uh, consider Stop. stopping. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If if you try sending flowers and you don't get a signal that that was an acceptable move, don't send them again. Don't waste the flowers. <laughs> That's part of it too. So in order for gentlemen in China or in America to Know that it's acceptable to send flowers or to like you know send a card or, or whatever or increase the dating. You know what is the second engagement? So if the first one's pizza, can the second one be like dinner and a movie? Because how can you move <laughs> from pizza to dinner and a movie if you don't know it's like for you in your time in America when the guy was like pizza? Okay, fine. Well, what if the guy is like, all right, tomorrow I'm going to go see such and such movie. You want to come with me? And then you're like, sure. Like and okay, let's have dinner afterwards. Okay. At what point do you like realize that hey, this guy's you know maybe spending a lot of time with me one on one now? <laughs> like, should I should I say this is cool or should I be like I need to go do my hair? You know, Mike's yeah, my experience is probably a little different because I had a, I had I still have a lot of guy friends and I was very used、mm. to just hanging out with guys because I、mm. you know I'm not one of those popular girls in 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 school where I look at all the guys asking to spend time thinking they they think I am pretty and so. <laughs> when I was in the states, it was kind of the, it's a little sad, I know.、Um, and then, so when I was in the states, I wasn't thinking about that. It, he actually wasn't the only person that I, you know, had a long time with, and where this person wanted to hang out, and I said yes to, and I just didn't think anything of it. Maybe I missed a lot of my chances, but it's okay. It's it's in the past. But for me in the states, it started to. The first guy that I dated in the states actually asked me out for Valentine's, and he actually said it was very cute. He said, "Would you be my Valentine?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh, yes, sure." So that was a very that was a very obvious signal to me. Anything that's you know less obvious than that, I might just miss it. <laughs> I don't know. Even if the guy's like, "Hey, here's a really good restaurant.、Uh, you want to go have dinner?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure, let's go." And then I'll probably really focus on the food and trying to be. A, a gourmet food critique the whole time. I want to talk about parents a little bit. So not just parents as a medium for meeting someone, but parents as an approval mechanism or someone who like you share information with. Like as a teenager, a lot of Americans will probably not share a lot of information with their mom and dad about like who they're dating because the idea is like maybe they're a bit too young anyway to be dating. But as soon as like someone's in their twenties, I feel like a lot of people are like, "Yeah, mom, I'm seeing so and so. This is what they're like." And I was wondering, like, at what point in Chinese culture, typically? I mean, I'm sure that it's not monolithic,、mm-hmm. and so like the, there's different families with different values and different like communication methods. But like, what is like a typical like cliche about like how do girls say I met a boy? Do boys say I met a girl? And and when do they do that? I guess it varies from、uh, from different couples. So.、Uh, In terms of who tells, who informs their parents of their relationship first, but once you do, it's kind of like I am taking this relationship rather seriously.、Mm. Nowadays,、mm. it doesn't have to necessarily lead to marriage, but it, I am 
you would have to be mm. pretty sure about this person. Like, I want to spend a long time with this person as a partner, and it may lead to marriage. Uh, we're not guaranteeing it. We're not setting a time and date, but I need to. This is serious enough for me to introduce this person to my family. Introduce as in actually bring them to see mom and dad. Yeah, like you would have a conversation, and then your mom would be like, "Well, bring him to me. <laughs> Examine him. <laughs> bring him before us." <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. Uh, so, you know, my wife, who I've been married to for more than seven years, we've been together as a couple for nine years. We met online, like I mentioned before, and we were actually we decided to be a couple before we met in person. And we were talking online for about three months. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, yeah, let's just officiate that we're a couple. And so we went through the like formal verbal process of confirming that we were a couple before we actually even physically met. Were you guys just chatting? over text or was there video chatting as well? I don't remember video chatting but there were pictures and phone calls. I remember a lot of that. Uh, It's been a while. I don't think video chat was as common at that point uh, back, you know, all all those nine years ago or whatever. (laughs) But you know, what was really interesting is when we actually met for the first time I remember I wasn't as nervous, but she was super nervous because like we went to hold hands and her hand was so sweaty. (laughs) That's so cute. Oh my God. I love those stories. But that's when, that's when, um, people still had a lot, a lot of trust between each other Mm. with, uh, you know, online relationships. Back then, it was actually just a tool to make it easier for people to meet. Now, this is like a test of whether you could identify whether this is a good person you're talking to or not. Mm, Well, you know, increasingly, I think, I mean, not entirely, a lot of people are not dating to have to get married. A lot of people are looking for partners to spend time with. And then like marriage is statistically marriage is lower in most Mm -hmm. most advanced countries around the world that like getting married is just declining and divorce is increasing over time. So it seems like a lot of people are just looking to have a relationship without a legal document that defines the way that that how do you feel that that's going in China? It's going somewhat in the same direction. There are a lot of like people, for example, I am, uh, I am 32 in probably 10 years, like 10 years ago, people my age would, most of them would be married with kids. And even today, mm. um, how should I, a lot of people still are, but I have my friends, like my friend circle have a very high unmarried rate. A lot of us are unmarried. I have other friends who've never, mm, mm, I only, you know, started dating my boyfriend last year. And before that, I was single as well. It's mm-hmm. not really people being afraid of that piece of paper for marriage. I think the term marriage has been, you know, added on with so many uh, social mm-hmm. bindings mm-hmm. and limitations and, and responsibilities you would have to carry. And there's a term in Chinese that's called, um, which means you both build around the fire and you start to, make your life together mm-hmm. and this comes from old times when mm-hmm. it's harder it was harder for one person to survive in society you know there was uh, not enough food or, or the economy wasn't that well wasn't that good and you have to really combine your forces so that you could huddle and you could survive but marriage kind of became the guarantee of that because you're legally asked to stay with this person for the rest of your life whether you know it could change but that's what the promise do you make and people look at that as something that's a mean of uh, survival. But young people nowadays, it seems like they have a lot more a lot of room and they're more capable and the the economy is doing Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. well. So 
it's not a very necessary thing to find a person mm, to support mm. your life and you mm. support his, you know, you don't have to build around the fire together anymore. So a lot of people are like, well, what's the, you know, what's the big deal? Or what if more like, if I want to find someone to spend the rest of my time with, my life with, I want to make sure I want to do as much research on this person as possible before I make any promises. So I think the 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 average age of 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 marriage has been Mm-mm. going higher and higher. Well, you know, I think that's the trend in, in a lot of developed countries. So it's not too surprising that that's happening in China. I want to tell a really quick story. I have a friend in the states. Yeah. He lives in the Sacramento area, and his partner had cancer, and his partner was undergoing chemo. And he was they had been together for I don't know long time, fifteen years. Yeah. They even had a baby together. We're not married. So when she was getting chemo, he was unable to go in and make sure everything was going all right or whatever. So the only reason they ended up getting married, because they didn't really believe in the institution, like they were just in their case, they were like, we don't feel like that's necessary. But because of the legal ramifications in terms of her getting her chemo treatment, they got married so that he would be able to go into the hospital and spend time with her during the chemo treatments. And I thought that was really, you know, just it's just a peculiar thing. It doesn't seem like the hospital should have so much power over like a, a couple. I have a very similar story. There's a couple friends of ours who were together for I think mm. nine years before they got married, and it was a very similar incident. The the guy got into a very severe traffic accident, mm. and he was undergoing surgery in, in in the hospital. It wasn't like oh they wanted to do something. It was more like a flash of thought in his mind where. He was thinking, if I needed someone to sign documents to decide my mm, life and mm, death, mm. I wanted to be this person. And that's when he mm. decided to to marry um, his sis. Well, unfortunately, they split a couple couple months ago after 20 years of marriage. But that's the moment that brought them together. Mm, and that's mm. what, it seems like a very more popular thing in um, they're from from Europe as well. Well, I'm going to ask you a strange question, and you know, okay. maybe you don't know the answer. I'm ready. It's a legal <laughs> question, so maybe you don't know the answer. In, mm-hmm. in the United States, typically a couple, because of the way dependents work, can get tax breaks by being married. Is that the same case in China? I don't know, and I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, So th- there's no legal incentive to be married then? I don't think so, except for you get days off for getting married and you get like days <laughs> off for taking care of your newborns. <laughs> well, you know, increasingly a lot of like um, responsibilities in the actual marriage. So we're moving forward a little bit have changed in the United States. You know, like now it's both members of the, the household, uh, whatever their gender should be taking care of household responsibilities and should be like helping clean and helping care, take care of children. And both parties generally like to pursue their own career. Mm-hmm. Increasingly, I wouldn't say that's true everywhere but like especially in like larger cities urban areas that's the case where both people in the relationship will take care of the house and take care of their careers at the same time mm-hmm. and take care of the children and share joint responsibility for everything which is a, a difference from like the traditional like 1950s that didn't really exist period of time where the, the, the madman era the man would go out and make the money and the woman would stay home and take care of the children i was wondering if you could maybe uh what are gender roles like like in China. I think traditionally, of course, it's same with other countries. Women take on a, a, a lot more responsibilities of raising the kids and taking care of the household. That has changed a lot since the, mm-hmm. the late 80s, I think. 
Um, now it's very similar mm -hmm. to what you just described. Both people, like most families, mm -hmm. are double income families, and um, the the paid uh maternity leave mm -hmm. we just adjusted the the length of it because <laughs> my friend just gave birth to a super cute baby four months ago. Shout out to baby Philip if you listen to this, and she told me that the legal maternity leave for Chinese employees for for, for female employees is uh six months. They are able mm -hmm. to keep their job and you know do their part where their baby needs them the most and uh, go back to mm -hmm. becoming a career woman. So that's more like at, at least again at least that's kind of the family that I am around. And I think that naturally women might be more inclined to spend more mm -hmm. time for for family and kids. But a lot of them are you know what we call independent women today, and they kind of share that responsibility with their mm -hmm. husbands. There's the declining birth rate in across the world in America, Japan. South Korea, China also, and a lot of other industrialized nations. Something the governments have worried about a little bit. Some governments are worried. And um, I'm wondering if the the pursuit of the career is part of that. Do you think that is would be accurate or not? I think that's partially the reason why like you are seeing something that's very easily attainable if you if you put enough efforts in it and you play the game well, you could really go up. And it's very, it's mm -hmm. a very mm -hmm. rewarding experience for me. And I think for a lot of people, whether it's men and men or women, but also I feel like I, I don't know. This may, this may only speaks to my situation. I didn't grow up in a, a family with siblings. I was, I was an only child. And so I didn't, I felt like people who have the, <laughs> the longing to have uh, multiple children know how happy, how happy or how different the life is as someone who grew up with siblings and they probably want that, mm -hmm. want the same thing for their children. For me, it's like, <clears throat> God, I felt like my parents put so much effort and time and, and energy in, in raising me and making sure I'm doing okay. I was like, mm. that's so much work. I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> You're pointing out another reason, and it's that raising children are really challenging, just like whoever's doing it. And, you know, our friend, friend of the show, Bebe, is also, her reasoning is oftentimes the cost in China raising children might be prohibitive. So, like, it's not about necessarily about a career as much as it, maybe <laughs> it's just about the kid, and then you have to have swimming class, and yeah. you have, like, calligraphy class, and you have to have, like, I don't know, Le Lego class. Yeah. And so, like, someone's got to be taking care of them. And, you know, so it could just be prohibitively expensive to have a child i think that's well hmm, that's a very convoluted uh, uh topic but i think we're sort of the government I, i'm sure you heard about the big changes in education policies from the government mm. recently mm. and as much shaking it has brought to the whole industry i do think that's a good direction to go because the cost that we were talking about you know sending them to swimming classes or sending them to art classes and all of these other after school programs to make sure that he becomes a uh, well-rounded versatile person or, or or she that's all kind of stems from the unspoken competition that parents have with each other like i want my kids to do well i want my kids to do this this and that because the last generation of parents sort of didn't have any of those things and when you kind of present these options in front of them they were like we have to get it because other people are getting it mm -hmm. and then they mm -hmm. kind of overlook how important it is to actually just 
spend time with your kids and you know and i know that it's it's not an easy thing to just say oh you should spend more time with your kids when you have to maintain the income and the living standard of your family but once these competitions Mm, these i wouldn't say unhealthy but these you know um uh, extra competitions are taking out of the picture it might in one way or another force the parents to really look at what they really want in their kids i have a friend who complained who Last year, she was sort of mad about mm-hmm. her kid doing not so well at school. But from what I've known, her kid is very smart mm-hmm. and he's a little bit naughty, but he's nine years old and, you know, a very smart boy and he's artistic as well. And I'm like, you know, Aris, if, if he's a good kid, I think, I think that's okay. As long as this kid has integrity, like, do we really need every kid to be? top in the class someone has to be in the bottom for other people to be on the top you know you gotta be okay with <laughs> I it i see a lot of things you talked about covered so much ground really fast actually so you know in terms of a child expressing themselves differently at different ages i think you're dead that's completely right some kids are gonna do well at some ages and not at other ages that doesn't mean anything about their future or the way you know like people someone with a lot of energy who has a hard time paying attention might be really successful in life because they've got a lot of energy and they're gonna put a ton into their their career and whatever so like yeah. how they do in when they're nine years old and like fourth grade is not is not a reflection of like their entire future and i think a lot of parents put too much pressure on themselves going back to what you said about spending time together <clears throat> i think you're so right i didn't learn swimming from a swimming class i my dad just brought me to the <laughs> lake here's a swimming pool let's go swimming now and eventually i could swim really well better than most anyone i knew because See? dad just spent time with me swimming so like see the way I learned a lot of words was my mom kept a big dictionary next to the sofa. And like um, anytime like we were talking and I didn't know a word, she took the dictionary out and she just started, okay, let's go look that up. And like I learned to like know more words than most people I knew because I was just constantly exposed to accessing this dictionary with my mom. Mm. So spending time with mom and dad, like, you know, I think a lot of people underrate themselves. They're like, oh, but this teacher is the best. You know, like, so are you. You know, your kid loves you. And if you are the vehicle by which you can learn information, their kids can learn information, then they're going to probably learn better from you, no matter how good that teacher that costs X amount of dollars or yuan is, because they're learning from you. And you, like, parents are like superheroes to their kids. This is like Superman or Superwoman. And like Wonder Woman, I guess it would be right now. And so if Wonder Woman is spending time with you reading the dictionary together, like part at least passages every now and then, you're going to be listening because it's it's your hero. I am silently applauding this this speech. And I think that's super true. I think when we at least I don't know when I become a parent, if I did become a parent, I would all of my decisions will be based on whether decision is going to become a story that my child could tell in the future like for taking yours for example you're like you could be like oh hey jason how did you get into swimming you're like oh i had these really fond memories of me going swimming with my dad versus people be like uh i had a coach (laughs) 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 which is not i would again like having a swimming coach is great it might teach you different you know really good techniques if you were to become a a competitive Mm, swimmer mm. but if you're just learning a skill baby swimming trying to develop something Right. Oh, have you seen those videos, by the way? <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen videos, but I've been, I walked by where like the, there's a coach and like a baby and like, like swimming. And I'm just like, okay, this is. There There are, there are baby surviving swimming classes now. I've seen those videos. Like you put a. What? 
oh my, uh, you put a video on, you put a, a backpack on the baby's back and then you toss the baby as oh if he were to gosh. be tossed into the water by a bad person. And then the, of course he was trained before t- how to flip over and stuff. But I was like, oh my God, I, wow. It's, I guess it's, it's necessary, but I, I, oh my God. I was so, I was so, uh, <laughs> this is horrible. Oh no. And the baby was like, uh, I think like four or five years old. So I don't know. I don't know how to, I, I'm sure the parents had all the right intentions and, and the reason for those classes to exist. But still just watching those videos, I was like, I can't, it came upon my, my Douyin feed and I couldn't avoid it. <laughs> you know, one, one thing I do think might be necessary sometimes, and this could be also done by mom and dad are like uh digital detox so that's like you know your kid is like stuck to their phone or their ipad or whatever all the time and they have difficulty communicating with other people in that case i think like going to a camp which is literally like a camp might be a good idea for a month or two just to like show them like you know (laughs) the there's a world out there a month or two might be a little too long (laughs) (laughs) i just mean get get them away from their device i agree i agree Help them build healthy habits like walking around. I totally agree. <laughs> and and coming back to coming back to we got too carried away on kids and parents, but coming back to even just uh, you know, dating and relationships for me mm-hmm. for me, I mean it's not a completely digital detox, but for me and my boyfriend, mm-hmm. if we watch a movie at home where we're not looking at our phones, we don't care who's posting on what or who's texting. Mm-hmm. And for that for me, that two, three hours is a, a, that is a digital detox. You know, we mm-hmm. are able mm-hmm. to talk about the movies and that might inspire some uh thinking of who we are in life and, and stuff. And I find that very, very, I find that mm. very liberating. We actually. didn't cover a topic. We kind of, I, I rushed us into marriage really fast. So, uh, <laughs> well, that, that came out wrong. <laughs> was, uh, I've I was heard that before, Jason. You know, in America, we were talking about my friend <laughs> who joking. moved in with his, uh, his partner and they lived together for a long time before they ended up getting married because of hospital reasons, mm-hmm. but they did live together. And this is something that happens in the States where there's no engagement. There's no marriage. They're just people cohabitating as a couple. And I was, is this something that is, how would a, yep. a Chinese family, like mom and dad, feel about their son or daughter, like cohabitating with their partner if they w- had no intention of getting married or at least no intention right then? So the whole definition of cohabitating before marriage kind of faded a little bit. It was a very, again, it was a very serious legal term in before the 2000s, I think. Mm, mm. It was actually, I'm pretty sure it was illegal at some point. You, you're not allowed to live with another person unless you're mm, legally married mm. and you've got that, you know, the, the, the two red books, um, from the government. It changed. It completely changed now. And people are more open to people, couples living together before they, they, they get married. Mm, 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 mm. They kind of call it the trial of the marriage. Like, because a lot of people break <laughs> up, a lot of couples divorce each other because they simply couldn't stand yeah. the person, the other person after they start living together. So yeah. they're like, all right, you know, just try it out and live you do together. What with your toothbrush? <laughs> <laughs> it does create problems like that. Like, oh, hey, I want to hang a painting on the wall. Why would you hang that painting on that wall? And then it just, <laughs> it goes from there and you can't come back from that. So a lot of, <laughs> that, a lot of people are, are, way more open even people um from my parents generation they're a lot more open with uh 
young kids living together mm. and they're like mm. you know if you don't try it out how would you know if you're compatible as a uh, as couples wow. you know so parents are telling their kids that in some instances i mean they don't they go they don't go ahead and encourage it but they know it and they don't oppose to it and they will just give it a, mm. a slight mm. nod and say okay <laughs> <laughs> There was another topic I wanted to cover, and it doesn't seem as relevant now as it did when I first heard about it 10 years ago. There was this concept called the leftover woman. I think that's it. Where, like, there was a woman, I guess, in her 30s who had missed the dating, like, when they were supposed to be <laughs> married. And, like, this is doesn't, I never hear this anymore. So it seems like it's <sighs> gone from society. Is that, is that accurate? I have a very uh, personal story to tell about it. Uh. I've always had my problem with this term. Particularly because how it was mm, taken mm. by people who are not familiar with the Chinese society. And it was really kind of demonized by a lot of media that are not mm, familiar mm, mm. with the Chinese market and Chinese society and Chinese women. This term first came about as a way of older unmarried women to sort of joke about themselves uh. like oh everybody has been selected i am the one that's left so i am a leftover i'm a shengnu like a the, the girl who is who's, who's left in the pile that's how it first <laughs> came about and then like if you knew i'm getting a little um emotional Go, go for so it. If you knew, if you knew Chinese <laughs> enough, you would know that this term is not a seriously or academically or socially coined term to put a group of people down. It's a very, mm, mm. you know, it's a very, it just, it's, it's tongue in cheek, very tongue in cheek for, for, for girls. And it's actually said with a, a little bit of pride, actually, like, mm. oh, at, you know, not saying that I'm proud to be left uh, left over, but saying like, oh, well, I am too busy to date or I am doing whatever. And so now I am, you know, they have all been selected, but I haven't been. I am still here. But when that was taken by, uh, I'm not going to say the name of the brand, but I don't know if you remember, this was 2014 when that brand did a, a, a video, like a campaign video for their mm. products. They picked. I don't remember. Uh, they picked uh, three or four quote-unquote leftover women crying in front of a camera talking about oh <laughs> uh, and then they 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 staged their interaction with their parents where the parents were like oh you know oh you have to get married you're leftover now i'm like no parents ever called their kids a leftover i was i was so i was so <laughs> infuriated when i watched that video and it was in the states uh back then and i posted something and i had a friend who was like Oh, but this is, uh, I was like, I put my comment there. I said, this is not, it doesn't reflect the whole, uh, it doesn't reflect what's happening in the society and these women that they put in the video. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like, oh, we're strong, capable, independent women, but we're suffering so much from our family. I was like, I don't know why you would do that. Um, and then my, the, and the American friend at the time said to me, he said, Alex, you're being very privileged right now. Just because you don't have this problem doesn't mean other people don't have this problem either. I was like, well, honey, I spent the first 23 years of my life in China and I am, I didn't spend that time as a foreigner. I was a Chinese person growing up in Chinese society. Mm, mm. I was like, how did you get your intake? And he said, Oh, I'll talk to a lot of Chinese women. I said, how many? He said six. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
I never liked the term, and like you said, it's it's faded out the society because people don't really、mm-hmm. even joke about、mm-hmm. themselves anymore. Because the average age of getting married is higher and higher. Yeah, it's much yeah, later. So, like, I guess you will be left over if you're never married until fifty. When I heard about it in China, a lot of it was like due to the fact that they were getting their like PhD or their third master's degree or something, and so like the context in, inside China was like these are like these. <laughs> in fact. A lot of them are the best because they're the most like highly qualified. Yeah, women. It's, it's the same thing as so, what I said earlier. Like you're very capable of taking care of yourself, taking care of your parents.、Um, so I guess they just spend more time selecting the right partner. <laughs> Last question, because we don't have a lot of time. Would you say that mom and dad's approval matters a lot in China? So, if like mom was like this guy or this girl, I don't like her. You know the way she dresses or like who she, the, her family. Does that make a big difference in like terms of like how the couple will behave or like will that end a couple or they just be like okay, I'm not going to get along well with dad for a couple years. In some cases, it does.、Um, depends on how much the mom is trying to have or the dad. Is trying to have a say in their children's marriage.、Mm. Some parents are more controlling because you know I think this is universal for all parents in the、mm-hmm. world. They have done, yeah, yeah they've yeah. done、um, their parts of of you know the the growing pain of becoming a couple, and they're like, we're telling you that this is not a good sign. But time changes and people、mm. change. It's it might not work. It might not be the same for their children. It's definitely brought on the table with the best intention possible. But people have young people have their own. Set of tactics to deal with that <laughs> when their parents are don't agree with the person they're choosing to be their life partner, but still the parents' opinion about that person is still very important. That's why、um, when we were talking about introducing your partner to your parents, there's a lot of things that you just have to do right as a as a、mm. future、uh, in law, like a future son or, or daughter in law. Like you really want to make sure you impress the parents, you present yourself as the person that. They have imagined for their beloved child.、Um, whether it's you need to do more, you need to really fight to do the the house chores, wash the dishes, or come with gifts and be re- be respectful. Yeah, yeah, like there's a lot of、uh, funny stories that happen around that. Well, you know, we are at the end of our show, but I think this actually shows us in terms of this episode of the bridge, like how much things are very the, much the same on both sides. Yeah. You, of the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, you. I I know that you have to ask for your parents' blessings as well in the states, or at least there's procedurally there's a step at the wedding. Yeah. Also, the tradition. I don't know if it's done anymore of the future potential gentleman entering into the family to ask for the daughter's hand in marriage from the father. Which I don't know that you know gender roles are very different now than they used to be. But this is the tradition. Yeah, we might be old old school, old fashioned, Jason. But I think that's very important. For for me, like、mm. when I look at a couple and they're like, "You just decided to marry the, the your your wife, or you just decided to marry each other." Without even thinking or trying to tell the other person. I mean, there. I know there are different cases, but if you're just, you know, kind of just a regular couple and trying to going through it, that's kind of a, a red flag for me. I don't know. I would if it's my friend and he's dating someone, and the guy's like, "I want to marry you. I don't care to ask your parents mm, or mm. even just inform." Like, I'm not saying if the parents say no, you should give up. Absolutely not. But if you're not even trying to inform the parents, just to give them the, I felt like that's the bare minimum respect. That's a red flag. For me. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, no. 
wrote it. I hope that, you know, <laughs> whoever you're dating is, is listens to the end of this episode. <laughs> I'll show him. That I'll make sure I set him down and, and let him listen to this episode. All right. It's always a great pleasure speaking with you, Alex. We are out of time. And so goodbye to you and goodbye to our listeners. Lovely speaking to you every time, Jason. I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.